Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. This week, we spoke to retired four-star general and Fox News senior strategic analyst Jack Keane, as well as Fox correspondent Amy Kellogg, who's in Moscow. We spoke to them both ahead of Russia's invasion, but after Putin's Monday speech and his declaration that two areas in Ukraine's Donbass region are now independent. Amy, who we will play second, gave us a glimpse inside Russia at this time. Keane explained the history of Russia's involvement in Ukraine and why he thinks nothing, not even sanctions, will really matter to Putin, even in the long run. We often have to cut interviews down for time during the week, but we thought you might like to hear this full interview. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the Weekday Rundown podcast if you haven't already. Now, here's Jack Keane on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Okay, General, um, we kind of want to do a little bit of a history lesson, which I think you're well suited for, um, just because we really don't know what might happen in the ensuing hours. So your thoughts on why, of all the former Soviet blocs, um, why does Putin have his sights set so firmly on Ukraine? And why has he for several years now? Well, I think uh, Ukraine, from Putin's perspective, uh, first of all, it's a, it's a country that truly matters. It's a large country. It's the second largest country in Europe. And, and he believes that it really was a part of Russia, and the Soviet Union never should have granted it uh, its independence. And I think this has been very personal for him. And, and it began in 2014, because Yanukovych was his stooge. Uh, Ukraine was operating, in theory, as an independent country, but closely aligned with Russia. And the people began demonstrating against Yanukovych because they wanted uh, economic outreach to the West, to the European Union, and also uh, political and military alliance uh, with NATO. So they were looking to the West. And why was that? Because the, the people saw it. The pressure was on the leaders the opposition leaders, they saw it was going, they can see Russia and what's happening there every day, and they can see what's happening in Europe and the United States every day. Not too surprising. They wanted prosperity mm-hmm. and uh, actually more freedom is what the West had. So Yanukovych, um, what he did is he went down during the Sochi Olympics to see Putin. And Putin told him, look, you've got to clear the streets. Tiananmen Square, 1989, Tehran, 2009, all of that worked. What didn't work was Mubarak in Cairo in 2010, and and he wound up in jail, and and, and I think by 2014, I believe he was dead, Uh, but I'm not certain of that. But that was the examples that he's used. 
and he says, you've got to go back and clear the streets. And Putin gave him snipers to do that. The Ukraine military had no snipers. Um, and I got briefed on this by the Ukrainians standing right in the square where this took place a few years ago, just prior to COVID. And um, they delivered headshots to many of the leaders. And the streets did get cleared. But the next day, the p- number of people in the streets doubled or tripled. Mm. And there was just unbelievable resolve and determination. So much so that Yanukovych, over the period of a two or three days of this, fled the country to Russia. Right. And Putin was humiliated, embarrassed by this, not just on the world stage or with the Ukrainian people, with the Russian people. That was the thing that bothered him. So he moved very quickly as a result of this. He felt he had to do something to recover his image because everyone knew that Yanukovych was so close to him. And Yanukovych is now in Russia. And that's when he annexed Crimea and moved into eastern uh, Ukraine to begin the occupation of what he thought was going to be most of eastern Ukraine. But in the lesson learned uh, report that they wrote after the 2014 issue, it turns out that they believe they, didn't, they had too much reliance on unconventional forces and hybrid warfare. And the resistance by the Ukraine military, but also numerous uh, volunteer partisan battalions of people who were not soldiers, who came with their weapons and provided significant resistance, so much so that they were not able to take all the territory that they wanted. And they said, we relied too much on unconventional forces. Uh, we, we should have used conventional forces. And, all, of course, that has informed them significantly in terms of what we're all witnessing now. This is a massive amount of uh, conventional forces, literally 70% of his army, that is, and, they, and 80% of that is, is deployed and ready, ready to attack. So that is the history of it. And, but Putin has, it's interesting, because I think all along he's underestimated the Ukrainian people. Um, and he, he doesn't recognize that from 2014 to the present, these ensuing eight years, uh, with the threat that Putin's forces now in eastern Ukraine, sitting on, and in Crimea, sitting on Ukraine territory, could move further to the west and take more territory. That was the threat. The Ukrainian people did not turn to the east and to Russia the way Putin wanted it. They have had three successive anti-Russian governments after Yanukovych was run out. And every single one of those Russian, I mean, Ukrainian governments look to the West mm-hmm. for further integration. And the one that has done it the most aggressively is Zelensky. And I believe that Putin probably assumed, I mean, I'm just speculating now, that here comes this entertainer who has become the president of the country. I, I bet he wrote him off as a lightweight. And Zelensky has been anything but that. I mean, his resolve and determination to stand up to Putin and not meet any of his uh, of the pressure he put on to get concessions from him has been really quite quite extraordinary. I mean, this this whole war goes away if Zelensky's uh, willing to make some some concessions. Like, well, I'm never going to join uh, NATO. Um, I'll 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 sign a piece of paper to that effect, and. Uh, and I also recognize 
uh, your claim on the uh, eastern uh, territories of uh, Luansk and Donetsk that are in the uh, Donbass region. If he did that, there's likely no attack. But Zelensky knows full well the uh, Ukrainian people, that's who he answers to, would never stand for that. So, yeah, that's some of the, the history. And as a result of this, I believe that this has become, for Putin, while while there's ideological overtones here, he doesn't want a democracy at his doorstep that's thriving and looking to the West so close to Russia and Moscow. And there's also geograph- uh, geopolitical issues here, certainly. Uh, he would rather have Ukraine in his orbit um, as opposed to uh, at least somewhat aligned uh, with the West politically and economically uh, and, and militarily as well in the sense that we provide assistance to them. But the real issue is not ideological or geopolitical. They, they're contributing factors. The real issue is personal. It, 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 he sees this as his personal legacy to fix this problem of Ukraine uh, not being a part of Russia. He wants he sees as one of his tasks post-collapse of the Soviet Union is to readdress and reconstruct the boundaries of Europe um, that so favored the West after the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, he resents significantly the United States-led expansion into Eastern Europe, and particularly the former Soviet republics that are now members of, of NATO. And and Ukraine is is a capstone country, though not a part of NATO. For him, he he just believes that is Russian land, and they are Russian people. And on his watch, he's going to fix this problem. It's pretty similar, and it, and it, the corollary is uh, is remarkable uh, when you compare it to President Xi and how he how he uh, felt about Hong Kong. And how he feels about Taiwan, it's it's, it's very similar. So that that really is the it, that's why that passion and emotion was almost dripping from him. You know that I'm sure you saw the speech that he made, yeah. uh, and I mean through the translation of it, but you could you could feel the passion that he had. That's why that passion is there. It's personal. Well, and to that, General, when you heard. Putin speaking Monday, alleging that Ukraine was just a part of the old Russian empire and the current country was artificially created after the communist revolution more than a century ago by Soviet leader Vladimir Lenin. What, what, yeah, you just chuckled. What went through your mind when you heard that assessment? Well, that's the distortion of history, as you know. I mean, he, 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 he falsifies history to, you know, to make it fit with his narrative. Um, but yes, uh, I I thought that talk was nothing short of remarkable, and I also read the five thousand word missive that he wrote in July of 2021 that he had a hand in writing himself. Multiple sources uh, have have decreed, and that was you know the complete justification of what is happening today, making uh, Ukraine a part of a part of Russia. Yeah, this is this is something, and and I believe there's resistance inside of Russia to what Putin is doing here. There are there's a 
you could make the case that this is a strategic overreach because the long, long-term long consequences of this could be quite negative for him. Uh, one, an international pariah uh, in the world as Ukrainian citizens uh, start to get start to being uh, are being killed, and even no matter how much of an information campaign he's going to run in Russia, and 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 I give the administration credit for exposing a lot of this themselves uh, beforehand, but it's running pretty heavy right now. Um, at the end of the day, the average Russian is going to look at this and say to themselves, "Why are we killing the Ukrainian people?" Right. You know, I mean, that's because they're so close to them. Um, and so that's one part of it. International pariah. There's, there's elites in this country and retired general officers like me and, and, and one of the more senior ones that heads their whole retirement association. He actually went public and said that uh, invading uh, Ukraine is a criminal act and uh, and Putin is absolutely wrong for for doing it. It's a criminal and immoral act to uh, attack a, a friendly country like uh, Ukraine. It's an, that is also an independent country, and one that we have so much cultural and history with, and now we're going to bring our guns and begin to kill them. Uh, right. And that was the drift of what uh, General Isabov was, was saying. And there's also academics that are pushing back. I mean, this isn't a wholesale uh, resistance to it like we have when we have political divisions in our own country. But just the fact that, that some of that has gotten out and, and become public uh, would indicate that. And Putin's popularity, uh, while off the charts uh, was in the 80s, is now uh, in, the, in the 50s, uh, and, and it's been going down uh, every, every year. He's been there 22 years, and as we all know, you're sort of wearing out your, your welcome after a while. And, and the other thing, there's huge, there's huge risk here economically also. While I knew that the sanctions would never deter him from doing it, if the administration really steps up and does the tough sanctions that they're saying they do, and the Europeans stick with it, even though it's having adverse impact on them, which it will, as it will adverse impact on us also, if we stick with it, the consequences can be quite severe, and that would put quite a lot of pressure on, on Putin in terms of the the people being hurt. The people have never really been hurt by our sanctions that much. There was a, After 2014, there was a, a recession for about 18 months, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't steep. Uh, yes, the people had less, that's for sure, as a result of the sanctions, but they recovered. This would be something uh, quite else again. General, um, to the modern history point, um, I want to go back further than 2014. Let's go back to 2008. How much of this, as I've been reading, seems to you out of the, the Georgia playbook when Russia went into areas of, of that country in 2008 uh, that had declared their own independence? Um, and that was happening as Georgia was also moving toward the West, sort of philosophically and mentally and politically. Is that... Is that this all over again, sort of trying to rein in, you know, um, surrounding countries that, that drift too far to the West? Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he saw those dominoes dropping, and it just was really frustrating. And, and then George, President Bush, 
I, I think it was more aspirational than anything else uh, when uh, he made the overture about Georgia and and Ukraine. And and I, and I think, uh, to be frank about it, um, we should we could have been more sensitive to what was really taking place in Russia after the collapse of the Soviet Union and all the hubris expressed by us and uh, the European nations about winning the Cold War. I mean, it was a steady drumbeat, and we went in there to help help them, uh, you know, get back on their feet again. I was commanding forces, uh, the United States military, and I all of a sudden I'm, uh, you know, hosting uh, senior uh, Russian generals and and uh, we developed relationships, and 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 they were they were just in almost in complete devastation. Uh, their military uh, literally hit rock bottom, you know, with no resources or anything. In comes Putin, and he puts it all all back together again. And I, and I think we could have listened to him a little bit better. And, and we were we were kind of dismissive of him. You know, I mean, as far as we were concerned, uh, Russia no longer was a threat. Uh, they had a third-rate economy. Their military was decapitated, um, and and uh, there were snubs of him, and you know, just a lot of little things over time that indicated that uh, Russia no longer mattered, and nor did his, nor did the leader matter that much. And and I think the cumulative impact on a man that uh, has a sense of history is very proud of his country uh, has a a huge uh, egocentric aspect of himself. And when I think when he thinks of himself, he also thinks of the Russian state. I believe they are synonymous. And this, the drumbeat of bringing everybody into NATO, um, probably we got, we went too far with it. Uh, history will probably be critical of us, uh, you know, for doing that. And, and he cites uh, that there were statements being made by senior U.S. officials that promised that the further... The furthest east the United States would go would be uh, to bring East Germany, obviously, united with West Germany, and they would become a part of NATO as as Germany. But we would not go further east than that. And, of course, uh, we absolutely did. And there's nothing that was never put in writing, but I, I don't doubt that those conversations may have been had, but they weren't U.S. policy. Um but nonetheless, they those were the aspirations that we would we were telling him about, and uh, not him, but his predecessors, and likely uh, they took him more to heart uh, than something than we did. But yeah, he's he's very serious about reconstructing the post Cold War boundaries of Europe, and and wants a new security architecture uh, dealing uh, dealing with. Uh, Europe and particularly Eastern Europe. Finally, General, um, the the president said Putin will go go beyond the, the Donbass region. Ukraine's foreign minister said Putin can be stopped with the full might of of the world. Really, economic sanctions um, is what he focused on. But briefly, is it is it your sense that Putin can be stopped or will not stop until all of Ukraine is Russian? No, he can't. Stop. There's nothing that's going to stop Putin. The only thing that could have stopped Putin is if the United States and NATO was willing to defend uh, Ukraine. And obviously, that's a policy decision that was not supported by three presidents, um, um, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. 
and no preparation of the United States Congress or the United States people to go to war with Russia over Ukraine. Um, no amount of no amount of uh, sa- sanctions uh, would deter Putin. He he's accepted what he believes will be the cost, and he's moving forward. And and I also thought uh, if, if you're going to try sanctions as a deterrence, I mean I think we normally uh, apply sanctions uh, as punishment and retribution, and we also apply sanctions and use it as a vehicle to dramatize the seriousness of the international violation that has taken place here and to bring the world's attention to it and to get other countries to participate willingly in those sanctions. But to use it as a deterrence vehicle, as the administration was trying to do, and say to Putin that we're going to get, impose very tough sanctions if you invade. So he started massing on the border in March. And we don't start talking about that policy decision until a couple of months ago. And he looked at that and knew full well that that had no merit and had no impact on him whatsoever. And I think when you look back at all the shuttle diplomacy that he was willing to participate in with President Biden, President Macron, the prime minister of of the U.K. and the chancellor of Germany, all of that that was going on, uh, he was just playing us uh, while his forces were, were getting ready and getting getting prepared. And he knew full well that on the major concessions um, that he wanted from us, he knew that would have been impossible for us to agree to because it would it, 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 meant, it would have meant the end of NATO. Um, and he... He also knew that. He, he knew we were never going to make that kind of concession. But he went through all of that because, one, he wanted to show that Russia is willing to, uh, you know, give diplomacy a try to negotiate with my leaders that, I'm a, that I have major differences with. So that he, he saw some value in that, but he had no intention of making any deal, nor did he. And, and that's, that's a fact. And I, I think our diplomats have just got to come to the realization that they got played quite a bit. General Jack Keane, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, great talking to you. Thank you. Sick of the one-size-fits-all method when it comes to healthcare, especially when it comes to your ED treatment? Well, good news. Now you've got options with Hims. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatments such as chewable mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for less. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you for free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time to join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com rundown. That's HIMS.com rundown for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com rundown. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. 
While Keene provided us some of the military and political history, we also wanted to see how Russians have been reacting. We spoke to Fox correspondent Amy Kellogg, who is in Moscow ahead of the invasion. While Russia is not a country in which people can speak freely, Kellogg gave us some insight into what some Russians have shared with her. And since the invasion, videos have been shared on social media of Russians being willingly arrested as they protest the war in Moscow and St. Petersburg. Do Russians agree with Vladimir Putin on Ukraine's history, that Ukraine is really a part of Russia? And, and, or, or is it hard to get a sense of how people may, may feel about that line of thinking um, in, in terms of, of their ability to speak freely on such a topic? You're right. It is a hard one to answer. I don't get the sense and I don't purport to know how this country feels and have my finger on the pulse of it. And I'm in Moscow, and I talk to a lot of people who are, I don't want to say the elite, but educated, worldly people who don't have any desire to take back Ukraine. It, it, it's not something that people I've spoken to consider would make their life any better. They just basically want to like Ukrainian people because so many Russians have Ukrainian relatives or Ukrainian friends. There's been a lot of intermarriage over centuries. And so the idea of taking Ukraine just doesn't seem to me something that the average person is thinking about. The other side of the story, however, is that Russian TV is, I just watched one of the bulletins and it was nonstop coverage of the supposed attack on poor Russian people in Donetsk and Luhansk. And the head of the investigative committee or the spokeswoman for the investigative committee saying that they have 400 cases that they've opened and they've begun to, they've created files on these people for, for criminal activity. And they are Ukrainian military personnel of a, of an elevated rank, not just soldiers so they're building this case on TV that that there's there's genocide going on that Ukrainians are attacking Russians in parts of eastern Ukraine and I think that those shows are watched by a lot of people I don't have figures for that but my sense is that here in Moscow where people are maybe more tech savvy than they are in the heartland and more plugged into a whole different range of and a broader range of influences i i think a lot of people in the heartland of this vast country are watching this and perhaps not questioning it you said you speak to some of the more educated folks um in in moscow um what sort of reaction has there been to sanctions and is there any worry about the threat of additional sanctions if they're not worried about the existing ones, especially ones against any so-called oligarchs or friends of Putin? Well, the people I've spoken to are worried what it's going to mean for their bank accounts and their ability to travel and take a vacation in Greece and their day-to-day -day life. Mm. We're not even talking about war and the possibility of people getting killed. We're just talking about sanctions, as you asked about sanctions. They, they worry that it will curtail their ability to fully appreciate and enjoy their lives. The 
the dollar, the ruble has already fallen today. So if you're making a salary in a foreign currency, your purchasing power, um, well, no, I should say if you're making a salary in dollars, your purchasing power will go up the other way around. If you are earning rubles and need to pay for something abroad or in dollars or want to travel or send money to a relative overseas, that really makes a huge, has a huge impact. In terms of then how sanctioning oligarchs will, will perhaps um, influence Putin's calculus, the conventional wisdom is that it won't really, because it used to be that in the early years of the new order in Russia, that the oligarchs were people who'd made tons of money off of the sale of state enterprises after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and they bought their way into positions of influence. So they would buy television stations and they would buy, they obviously had their hands in the big companies and and they could they could sort of buy the favor of politicians or the protection. And that has changed. And now when you talk about the cronies of Putin, it's either the security services or these rich people who are not called oligarchs as much as they used to be. And the greater influence seems to be with the security service people who, many of whom are more ideological or simply more Mm. right wing, and they care less about a vacation abroad and much more about protecting Russia's interests or perceived interests. So I think when we talk about sanctions, the, the personal ones may not be the ones that have the biggest impact. I don't know for sure, but this is what I'm understanding. Nord Stream 2 is another story. Keeping a, a gas pipeline from running, that that may start to change calculus at some point. Interesting. Um, can you can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because it's it's obviously not operational yet. So there's the the losses really at this point on Nord Stream 2 aren't aren't necessarily there, I would imagine, since it's not operational. Heard somebody say there's really just paper shuffling still going on in terms of the certification process. How how much energy are people putting into Nord Stream 2 at the, at the level of folks you're, you're speaking with? Um, I just you heard me shuffle my papers because I was looking <laughs> for some numbers. Um, yeah, because the whole energy world is complicated and there are conspiracy theories that this is all about America wanting to sell the world its petro or its hydrocarbons. And mm. so... There, you know, there's theory after there's theory after theory about whose pipeline means what and who's going to get an edge when energy prices are higher or lower. But in terms of Nord Stream, what I did read today, I got it from our brain room actually, mm-hmm. is that uh, Nord Stream would would um, bring 15 billion dollars annually to Gazprom, which is the gas state gas company. Mm-hmm. So and and then so that's 15 billion they won't be looking at and 42 percent of Europe's imports from gas pipelines come from Russia. So Europe stands to take a big hit, actually, in all of this, in terms of how much Russia will be hit. Well, obviously, right now, Europe and the United States are scrambling to come up with alternatives for themselves. Norway, Qatar, that's not organized yet. But if it does get activated, the plan B, in short order, then that would mean that all the gas that went through other channels to Europe would would then stop going to Europe. And that would cost, you know, 42% of Europe's gas imports. That's a lot of gas, isn't it? Right. So if that eventually 
stops happening, and it won't immediately. That's for sure. But if it does, that would be that would be a huge hit for Russia. Do you use oxygen therapy to breathe? If you've been prescribed oxygen, you know the problems that come with it when you're tied to an oxygen tank or concentrator. Going out of the house is a burden, and nobody likes to be stuck inside alone. Now you can live life on the go with the lightweight Inogen portable oxygen concentrator. Inogen is oxygen therapy that moves with you. Travel around the corner or on board an aircraft with an Inogen portable oxygen concentrator that provides the medical grade oxygen your doctor prescribes. Scribes in a device that weighs less than five pounds. Inogen's longest-lasting device delivers 12 hours of oxygen on a single battery charge. Call now to speak with an Inogen oxygen specialist and learn how you can try an Inogen risk-free for 30 days. Give us a call right now: one eight hundred two four five nine eight seven eight. Don't manage a heavy tank when you leave the house. With Inogen, you can get the oxygen you need with a system that's so small and light it goes almost anywhere. Learn how you. Can experience an Inogen system for yourself, risk-free. Call now one eight hundred two four five nine eight seven eight. Inogen devices are by prescription only. Battery runtimes vary by device and setting usage. Terms and conditions apply. For safety information, visit inogen dot com. Amy, what is the sense as to why now we know Russia's been involved in Ukraine、um, before the the invasion of Crimea? There was a pro-Russian president in Ukraine, Yanukovych, and he was pushed out in twenty fourteen. Um, we know thousands of Ukrainians protested him.、Um, I think after he stopped a plan to sign a treaty with the European Union, but did something specific trigger this action now? Apparently, there are a lot of things. One is that Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, was a little more assertive than they had thought he would be. You know, he's this young, charismatic comedian, populist who was. The darling of young Ukrainians and people who wanted something different, and it, it you know kind of reminds me of how Trump rose to power too. That people wanted something that was not establishment, because establishment is often in this part of the world associated with corruption、mm. and some sort of stagnation. So I think President Vladimir Putin maybe thought he'd have an easy ride with Zelensky, and Zelensky has been quite strong as we as we've seen. Um, and this Minsk Accord about granting, which was in large part about granting the East these regions that have since declared their independence and been recognized by Russia,、um, some form of independent, some form of autonomy, which would have made Ukraine sort of more naturally divided and and therefore much 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 less likely to ever even want to join NATO. So there was that. Then I, I guess there were some mentions that Ukraine felt that it, it could. Pursue nuclear weapons, or it should have them, because it had been let down after having given up its arsenal at the collapse of the Soviet Union. So that raised some bells. And then also, some people like to say, "Well, President Trump was either friends with Putin or tough on Russia," and so Biden was perceived as weak, and this was a moment to go in and and take advantage of a situation. And I don't really believe that to be the case, from what I've heard from people here, because Biden,、um, as we've seen, has been. Has not taken a soft line on this story, and I think it was really more a function of the declared tilt towards China, tilt towards managing China. That seemed to be maybe Western eyes a bit off the prize, and American eyes a bit off the prize, and a perfect opportunity for Putin 
to move in. Another factor, which is totally anecdotal, but I find it interesting because I've heard it many times, is that the, the absence of Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, she left the stage after a very long career. And she apparently had a very good hold on President Putin and a good, you know, a good relationship maybe isn't the right way to put it, but she was able to talk to him. So, and then, of course, Jessica, there are other things. I mean, people here and, and people in the West are speculating about Putin's state of mind, his state of health, his sort of wanting to leave a legacy or perhaps some paranoia that's coming with his isolation after being um, cut off from a lot of people during COVID. So there's a whole psychological piece to this that we can only speculate about. But these are some of the things that um, appear to be factors in the timing. Fascinating. I just have one more for you. Um, a Harvard economist said Russia is really economically nothing more than a gas station. Our sanctions so far haven't hit that sector of Russia, but still with, with, with the global tensions and it being Russia's main resource, oil and gas prices are expected to go up even more than they already have. But Russia has other resources and certainly size. Have those who have opposed Putin in the past ever talked about this, ever talked about the state of Russia's economy, making it stronger and more diverse. It is true that they haven't diversified as they should have, especially when the prices of um, when the price of oil was as high as it was at a certain point. But I, I really, I don't know. It really grates on me that Russia is a gas station comment because I think it's kind of demeaning um, to a people that have such a rich culture um, and. Yeah, I mean, the economy is not doing great here. And that is something that people grumble about. It's hard to understand to what extent the problems that are being experienced here are different from the problems being experienced in the West with inflation. And um, uh, well, largely inflation is what you hear people talk about. And yes, there is corruption here on a level that I don't think compares to the West. I mean, it's it's been... Alexei Navalny's cause celebra, and that's why he's sitting in, in jail, because he's been calling the leadership out on their corruption. But um, another thing is that the Russians have really developed their some of their industry, not high tech so much as, as agriculture and production, because they've been sanctioned and they've put counter sanctions on, um, on Europe. And so they do have some thriving industries. Yeah, of course, they've, they've, they did drop the ball. They could be doing much more. I mean, the Soviet education system was strong, and there were a lot of very educated people floating around. Um, and as we know, a lot of people in the Soviet days, brilliant engineers and scientists moved to the United States. So there, you know, there was a brain trust that perhaps has been squandered. Um, but one thing that I find rather shocking here is this swagger about we don't worry about the sanctions. It'll only make us stronger. I think that can't be. I mean, Russians, young Russians want to be connected to the rest of the world, and they don't want to be cut off from their access to all sorts of high-tech uh, imports. That, 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 that will take its toll. I just don't think we're going to see an immediate, immediate sort of collapse of anything here. There may be a slow burn of grumbling, and, and whether that affects change in the government, I don't think anyone is, is uh, able to guess about, but it certainly would have the potential to, Jessica. Amy Kellogg, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.